I am Daniel Ortiz, and welcome to Geography 101. Geography 101 is all about places that I visited from Europe, Caribbean, North America, South America, Asia, and a lot more. And today, I have my special guest. He's one of the best comedians of all time. <laughs> I love it. Keep saying it, and eventually I'll believe you. No other than Mr. Mike Lucas. Hey, hi, Daniel. Hi, everybody. Hi, world. Hello, world. I, I assume we're talking to every single country in the world. So I'm going to, um, and, and then it's being translated immediately as it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> the Chinese and, and right? Japanese. Oh, nice. I wish it, it's funny. Uh, being bilingual or multilingual is so impressive to me. I, I'm, I'm, I really struggle with that. I, I took high school Spanish and it was just a horrible experience. I, do you know that they, um, they want you to memorize all the vocabulary that they have? And it's, it's, it's quite a challenge. <laughs> yes, it's challenging. Just like your brain uh, rumbling. Uh, uh, what is, is happy in Spanish? Uh. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, or even if you just like, I, I want a sandwich and just to be able to, 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 to indicate that. You know, you're like, surely you know what a sandwich is, no matter what language it is. And they're like, no, we have a different word. Yeah, I think Steve oh, Martin yeah. had a joke like that. Steve Martin was learning French, and he's like, it's like the French people have a different word for everything. <laughs> <That's> yep. <laughs> so, Mr. Mike, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Mike Lucas. I'm a comedian and an author. And uh, I just wrote a book called Finding Your Funny Muscle How to Create Laughs Like a Pro that I'm uh, on the circuit promoting. And uh, Daniel's been nice enough to have me on this show because I told him that I've been, I've, I've lived in uh, 10, uh, I've, I've visited 10 countries, I've lived in 10 states, and I've visited uh, um, uh, 14 cities that I've lived in. So I have a, a little bit of geography background. Um, I'm, uh, I've, I was a comedian for 24 years on the road and on uh, national TV and the ra uh, radio and um, doing clubs and colleges as well. And then uh, when I, I had my babies uh, with my wife, we, um, I decided to go come off the road and just start writing for all time. And that's when I created my book. And um, yeah, so that's where I'm at right now, Daniel. Yes, congratulations, Mr. Thank Mike, you. for your debut book. I hope it will become a bestseller. Thank you. Me too. Your, your, uh, your, your uh, words to George Carlin's ears. Rest <laughs> his soul. Yes. And which part of the globe we're going to start? Ooh, well, let's see. I um, I mean, I'll just run through the countries I've been to real quick. And 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 as a comedian, a lot of times when you go to a country, and I'm not just talking about landing in an airport. I mean, I've actually like stepped into the country, and but you you tend to only be there for a little bit. So so I've been to the U.S. Obviously, that's where I live right now. I live in Dallas, Texas. Um, in in the U.S., I've um, lived in Ohio. Um, I've lived in Indiana, Massachusetts, Virginia, Florida, Illinois, New York, California, Nevada, and Texas. So those are the 10 states that I've lived in. Um, but what I was thinking of um, uh, talking about in terms of the world um, is one of the countries that I um, visited, um, of, of the 10 countries I visited, uh, which is U.S., Canada, Mexico, Belize, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Cayman Islands, the Bahamas, Vienna, Austria, and Italy. So you can tell it's uh, a little bit limited, but um, I wanted to talk about uh, Jamaica, my, my trip to Jamaica. Um, what a fun uh, island that is. Um, have you been to Jamaica, Daniel? Yes, 
Of course you have. Yes, it's uh, like a tropical Caribbean country. (laughs) Right. And it was, I I was part of the stop. I I did a a three-week tour on a cruise ship as as one of the uh, entertainers there. And every week we would stop uh, every Wednesday in Jamaica. So for three Wednesdays in a row, the ship would pull up like a taxi cab on the ocean and uh and then it would Im- uh embark uh these tenders and we would we would hop aboard and then sort of uh float over to the, the island where we were greeted by um just you know hundreds and hundreds of of Jamaicans uh who wanted to hug us and greet us and welcome us to the uh country and oh it wouldn't be bad either if we were able to buy some of their wares and every okay. one of them seemed to have something really cool for sale. Um, and um, whether it was like a toy for your kids or if it was uh, some kind of a decoration or tchotchke or um, so that was really interesting. And so what we had set up for us, Daniel, is the the drummer, uh, his name was Roscoe. Uh, actually, he was the bass player of the, of the band uh, who was when, when I did my comedy show on board. There was a band that played behind me and uh, then were quiet and watched me perform as the show was going on. So the bass player and I got to be friends. And the bass player was a, a bit of a marijuana smoker. So he really loved, he really loved and so was I, and, and still am. And, and so um, he and I connected immediately. And he told me in Jamaica, he goes, hey, come with me, I've got the hookup. So what he ended up doing is every week, he would hire one of the local cab drivers for the day. And so he would give this guy like twice as much as the guy would normally make during his daily um, uh, taxi run. And he would just say, you be our driver for the whole day. And so it, it would only be about, you know, maybe five hours, six hours that we were on the island. And so then uh, this guy would would um, uh, take us to these back roads and um, areas that, that most of the tourists wouldn't go to. And what I came to learn, uh, this guy's name was Vince, the, the, the driver. And so Vince taught me that in Jamaica, quite a lot of the roads are the dried up rivers that used to be there. So, so, so you end up on these roads that sort of wind and go left and right and up and down the way a river would. Um, and this guy had the road, Vince had the roads memorized. He was going up and down and left and right. And the whole time he was driving, he was turned around in his driver's seat, most of the time talking to us in the back seat. And, yes. and it's great. You're, you're watching, you know, like you're like, uh, watch the road, Vince. And he's like, no, nah, I got this, man. I got this. So he took us, he hooked us up with a, a guy who had garbage bag fulls of what we were looking for, the, so, some buds of marijuana that were just, they looked like they were just picked and dried, um, you know, th- th- that previous day. And uh, in the first day, that first Wednesday, there was a huge garbage bag filled with that. So we got what we needed. And then we went and just toured the island. We went oh, wow. uh, where Bob Marley was born. We, we saw where he used to, um, uh, you know, be. And then w- there's like a, a bit of a museum there. Yes. We took a tour in Jamaica of uh, the, the Bob Marley area from a guy who knew all the Bob Marley songs. And he would sing them during the course of the tour. And then, uh, and then, oh, he was also nice enough to to smoke us up, uh, and then charge us for it at the end of the tour. So that was that was I thought that was a, you know like that was a great. A, a great move. You know, it's like that's how you, that's how they get you. Yes. How about their love potion? Did they introduce your love potion that they're selling? Oh no! What is the love potion? Is that, is, uh, you know what? I would have bought it, man. I would have bought it. I was I wasn't doing well on the cruise ship, so it would have been nice to get some love potion. Yeah, they call Blackstone. Do, is there, is there, what, what what's in the love potion? Do they do they give yeah. away the ingredients? Yeah, it's 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 tree bark. Really? 
Oh yeah. So, so it's a legitimate, like they, 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 they uh, swear by this love potion. Yes. I, I did experience too. And I, I tried it and it worked. <laughs> what? No, I know this isn't necessarily a geography question, but what does a love potion do to you? Does it make you put you in the mood? Does it make you capable or? I'm, yeah, I'm... it's, Sounds like a Viagra. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. So, so like they're like, uh, hey, man, you, we'll, we'll make you hard as bark. Yes. You'll be like a tree. Uh, yes. Oh, that's great. Well, um, no, I didn't. I did not get to experience that. I was, um, I was more focused on uh, the, um, the the brownie cakes that they were serving. One, this one old lady. We stopped at this shack, and there was, um, and that's what's interesting when when you're a, a foreigner traveling to another land. Uh, everything is different looking, right? And, and as an American, yeah. you know, we, we typically don't see any of this kind of island life. So what people are wearing, how they look, um, what they're doing, the activities they're involved in are all strange and unique. And so the first instinct you have, as especially as an American, is to be frightened and to be scared and assume that everyone is out to get you. What I came to learn about Jamaica is these are some of the friendliest people in the world. They all couldn't wait. Once they understood that we were there and curious and, and about them and about what was what 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 um what they were interested in and what they were doing, um they they began to explain all the things that were happening. Uh all like there was a roadside um uh uh hut where they were selling different items and they these were things that they told me they crafted from hand and they used they used their found items in order and then sold them in order to to really make a living one guy even had oh my god he had this um beautiful little it was a little birdhouse that he had made and crafted and he wanted to trade it to me for my watch i had this it was just a cheap um uh, Casio watch that that I had. It was, you know, a black plastic one I bought maybe in Kmart or somewhere or Walmart. And I would have traded to him in a second. I felt like, you know, what a value to, to, to uh, you know, a, a $10 watch for this beautiful birdhouse that he crafted. And, and, but I couldn't do it because I had, I needed my watch to be on stage. I had to time my act. Yes. And if I went over, if I went over my time, I would get in trouble. So if I didn't have a watch, I was screwed. So I had to explain yes. to this guy, you know, he's, kind of i mean he spoke english but he spoke a, a you know a jamaican english so we were trying to communicate with each other and i'm like man i would love to can i you know so i ended up just giving him money for it but <laughs> but they are they are very hospitable people it was it was amazing and um yeah and um they fed me i can't remember what i ate but it was it was really a spicy and and, and delicious and um yeah and so for three weeks we went back to, and Vince took us around the island. And by the end, I, I wrote, I, I don't have it anymore, but I wrote a poem about him that I read on stage about how fun it was to, to for Vince to, to take me around the island and feed me and smoke me up and let me meet all these wonderful people. And by the third week, when we went back to that garbage bag that was filled at one point with buds of, of, of marijuana that they'd picked, by the third week, that garbage bag was empty. <laughs> <laughs> So this guy, was, this guy was making way more money than I was. <laughs> yeah. This guy was cleaning up. Is it in your place? Uh, um, marijuana is already legalized? In here. Texas, where I live, it is not. In quite a few of the states in the United States. In fact, where I used to live in Ohio, it's now uh, uh, able, you can buy it for medicinal purposes and for recreational purposes. That's the thing about the United States. They're doing a lot of that where they, they some of them are just medicinal. Some of them are, are both recreational and medicinal. And some of them are, it's still um, not uh, permittable. Now, you know, the, the, the repercussions for, for having it on you are less now because it's no longer a felony, but 
it's still uh, we're, we're very antiquated when it comes to uh, certain things uh, well a lot of things in in the in the United States and um, that's one of them that that needs to be um, in, of a list of about two dozen <laughs> it needs to be advanced forward it, it, on that list being education and healthcare and um, you know uh, uh, our, our racist uh, some of our um, you know systemic racist uh, situation so but that's a whole other uh, podcast. <laughs> yes. uh, people we are inviting you to listen to our new podcast with mr mike lucas i don't know we are brothers or what half brother we have the same last name but <laughs> right we're, bro we're brothers from a mother that has a, a different uh, consonant in the middle of their name because you're l-u-c-a-s and i'm l-u-k-a-s oh that's weird right <laughs> right yeah yeah it's like we're, we're we're one one letter away from each other Comedy 101, people. It's about all about being a comedian and being a nerd. What do you think? I, mean, sir, I like it. Like... <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, my hope is that every week we can have a, a, a fun discussion about uh, the, the world of comedy and um, the art of telling jokes and, and writing jokes. And, and part of my book is about how to create laughs like a pro. So we can talk about different uh, subjects and we can see how we can find the humor in those subjects. Because no matter what you talk about, even the, the deepest and the darkest of topics, there, are, there is humor to be found in it. Um, the, the problem is sometimes people aren't in the mood to hear those jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So finding your funny muscle, how do you craft it? Yeah, well, that's a book that has been in the making since the late 90s, since last century, Daniel. And I've, I've been working on this book to create uh, a way to write comedy when I'm sitting at my desk, uh, you know, w without having to wear, uh, you know, my pants like I have to whenever I go on stage. If I'm in my pajamas and I'm just chilling, uh, I want to be able to be funny also. And in the beginning, when I was learning uh, the craft of being a comedian, I struggled to, you know, to actually write jokes. I, I could be funny, but to actual write jokes, know how laughs were were, were made, I didn't exactly know. So I, I began a quest to figure out, well, how is it done? How how is it? How can I best think of it and, and execute it over and over again to create funny material that I could use for different things, like a comedy act or or my writing or or even just in my conversations and my uh, say a, or a speech or a um, a toast. And so I slowly began to just watch a lot and a lot of comedians and, 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 and study a lot of uh, techniques. And I came up with a way that you um, that will help people that are not even familiar with the world of comedy. It, and and in, a, in a quick nutshell, my book teaches you how to find your own comedy lens, which is like a porthole that you look through the, uh, to see the world for your own kind of flavor of comedy. And then how to apply that comedy lens to what I call the humor blueprint, which is sort of a game plan to help you craft a joke uh, by sort of uh, getting people to think one way, uh, a very normal way, and then hitting them with a surprise. And, and in order to get those surprises, I've got 36 heightening devices that are that pros use. And this is how they create laughs. And those are in the book as well. And I teach you how to use all of them um, with examples as well. So so that's how I kind of came about the book. And I'm really I'm really happy and proud of it. Um, and uh, I, I love the cover. The cover has a, a red whoopee cushion on it, which is a classic icon of comedy. But it's also uses the sort of technique to get laughs that I talk about, which is to set up a, a normal situation and then to surprise them with something, you know, <laughs> that they're not expecting. And if you and if you can blame someone for the whoopee cushion noise, it's even funnier. Yes. <laughs> Finding your funny muscles. What behind the title of your debut book? It's, uh, uh, well, the funny muscle, it's funny because um, people always talk about a funny bone. 
And I've always heard that from the time I was starting in comedy that, you know, like, you know, got to use your funny bone. And, and when I began to think about it, I'm like, well, funny isn't really like a bone. A bone is hard and rigid and funny and humor is very pliable and flexible and it, 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 it grows when you use it. And, and so I began to think, oh, it's more like a muscle, a funny muscle. And I think everybody has a funny muscle. And, and what, what the, the thing about your funny muscle is some people are, are born with a very strong, funny muscle. So from the time they're little, like I'm one of those people, I, I've been able to make people laugh from a very early age. Other people, it's not as developed. And so they make the mistake of thinking that if that's true, then they can't be a funny person. I've heard people say either you're funny or you're not. Well, I don't I don't agree with that at all. I think if you can learn how to play the guitar, if you can learn how to swim or play tennis, um, then you can, if you can learn a new language, you can learn how to be funnier. Now, I'm not saying you could sell out Madison Square Garden with your humor, but you could definitely be funnier than you were once you learn how humor works. And that's what my goal is with this book is to teach you how to do that. And it's also, if you want to know more about it, you go to funnymuscle.com. That's my website. And at this website, I explain all of this. Plus, I have a lot of content that hopefully will make you laugh at the videos and blogs and audio blogs that you can uh, watch and listen to. And, you know, laughter really helps you to forget about the struggles that you're facing. And, and sometimes um, we need that these days, you know, it, no matter what part of the world you're, you're, you're sitting in right now. Definitely. Laughter is the best medicine people. And That's right. Take a pill. <laughs> take a pill. <laughs> and laughter is contagious. So we're spreading out the happiness all over the world by teaming up with Mr. Mike Lucas with a new podcast, Comedy 101. Watch out for that, people, because this will be phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that'll start in June. We're, we're very excited about that. And um, we're, we're still putting together exactly how we're going to do it. But, um, I, you know, it, I think that it's funny to to be able to, and especially if, if uh, we get a worldwide audience, it'll be nice to... Uh, uh, you know, hear what other people say is funny in different countries. Because, you know, a lot of what I think is funny, you know, is because I live in the United States. But but when you live in a different country, other things are funny. So before we go on, Mr. Mike, I want to shout out to the people listening in Australia. Yes! Thank you so much. Australia and Queensland, I got 52%. New South Wales at 32%. Nice. Victoria at 14%. South Australia at 2%. And Western Australia at 1%. Thank you so much for supporting Woo! this podcast. <laughs> I know. How do you cheer in Australia? <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. right. That's, that's horrible. Sorry. I, I, I apologize to people in Australia. That, that is not how you talk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you so much for supporting this podcast because this podcast is created to empower uh, the world itself, geography people. So, Mr. Mike, what is the best highlight of your W book? Oh, my best highlight? Well, I would say that um, the idea that you could read it and you could begin to understand a little different how your humor works. When you begin to develop your own comedy lens, you uh, you suddenly uh, narrow down um, how you take in your humor, which which is a, a good thing because what I say is is a lot of times people without a comedy lens are more like a corner quipper, someone who's funny but you know th th there's not there's nothing memorable and uh, nothing relatable to what they're saying. You laugh and then you forget about it and you move on. As soon as you begin to identify your own comedy lens what you do is you start to make your jokes and your laughter relatable and memorable because uh, it comes from your personal 
viewpoint and and every good comedian that you listen to every uh no matter uh, where you are in the world your your country probably has a very funny comedian or, or or many and and they all have their own comedy lens and each one for instance jerry seinfeld is a guy who is makes uh, a big deal out of nothing um um Let's see. Uh, Richard Pryor was a, a a deep, like kind of a gritty storyteller who who was was you know told the truth about his his gritty life. Um, you know, uh, Rodney Dangerfield was you know got no respect. And each one of these comedy lenses, immediately when you begin to see that that's how they're uh, forming their humor, it becomes more relatable. And, it, and instead of just a funny joke, it becomes oh, it's like a, a friend or someone who you know. Uh, being vulnerable about something funny in their life, and so it, it, it's more relatable and memorable. So what I what I've come with, with the people who have read my book so far, the thing that they really come away with is by finding their own comedy lens and beginning to examine what it is that they think is funny and why they think it's funny and and, and the things that they get a laugh out of. It really gives them clarity on uh, on uh, almost who they are as a, a person because it, it it forces them to sort of look inward to see wh where is the humor. What, what, how do I get laughs out of the struggles that that, that uh, hit me during the during the day? And that's to me what what the you know the best kind of humor is when you're when you're making fun of the things that that we're all struggling with. Yes. So, what are your struggles in writing uh, funny novels? Oh, like what one of the. Um, uh, struggles that wait do in in the with the book or, or with just my my life right now because because those are two different answers <laughs> the struggles I have with the book uh, well I'm I'm self publishing my book so one of the things about self publishing a book is uh, you're in charge of everything so you are the person who has to be in charge of the book cover or hire somebody you are the one who has to edit it or hire somebody and you are the one who has to uh, insert it into a book format or hire someone now i don't know how to do any of those jobs so i hired people to do all of that for me so one of the challenges of being a self publisher is also knowing how to find talented people to do the job that you need to be done and i'm very proud of the way the book looks and the way that it it reads because it it it's as every bit as good as any uh a uh, book that a, a publisher um would have done so that would be the the one challenge for that now in my day challenge uh daniel i'm i'm a i'm a dad i'm an old man uh i'm 57 years old and i have a 13 year old daughter and i have a 10 year old son So being an old dad is a constant challenge for me. So I have, like, like, I'll, like I, I, uh, my, my daughter, my, I, my teenage daughter was uh, oversleeping on the weekends, and so I was, you know, I began to, you know, get frustrated because I'm, I'm, my, my comedy lens is I'm the clumsy Aspie hole, <laughs> the Asperger's um, uh, spectrum, and I'm, but I'm clumsy about it. So the problem with me is I, I, I sort of hold the world at a, a certain standard, but I can't live up to it myself. So things always backfire on me. So for instance, with my daughter, I said to her, "Hey, listen, hun." Just so you know, in the old days, someone your age would not be able to sleep in on the weekends. They would be waking up early. They would be uh, milking the cows and finding the eggs, doing their chores and, and, and farming. And, and she's like, oh, okay, dad. Do you know in the olden days, life expectancy was 55. So you would have been dead. Like, okay, okay, fair enough. And then I, I was like, well, enjoy your extra sleep. I will be online Googling how to recover from a major burn. So, so that's, that's the kind of things I struggle with. My kids look at me constantly like, oh my God. Like with my son, my son's 10 years old, right? And uh -huh. these kids are, are very... Um, They're, they're very uh, like technical. So, yeah. so at 10 years old, my son is on the computer and he understands, um, uh, you know, like a lot of, of things that I never knew when I was 10. So I was, you know, watching him and I was like, look, look hey, you know what? It, it might not be healthy, you know, or creative 
you know, like when I was your age, we used to do games and we used to play things, um, yes. you know, and, and you're on the computer all day. And he's like, well, dad, I actually, I developed my own game with its own animation that I created. And I also did a soundtrack for it. Does that count? I was like, okay, okay, fair enough. That sounds, sounds like you got it covered. I will be again looking for major burn recovery uh, information. Online. So my kids are very smart and they put me in my place, which is perfect. Yes. So finding your funny muscles, what is your or what are your expectations? Well, Daniel, my expectation is to sell 1.7 million copies in the first day. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think that once this podcast gets out and people hear what we have to say, it's going to be well on our way. But my, my realistic expectations are, um, I'm hoping that it is the, you know, the first of three books. I'm already uh, almost finished with the second book, which is called Fine-Tuning Your Funny Muscle, which gives you next-level insights into these tools that I teach in the first book. And what I'm hoping is that with this book series and with the master classes that go along with it, that it gives people who aren't as naturally funny as others a chance to play the game, a chance to make jokes, a, a chance to be uh, uh, funny and to be um, uh, get laughs with their friends and family and coworkers in a way that they couldn't before because now they understand how laughs work. The problem is most people just assume that funny people are just saying things funny, but there's a real flex, a real muscle flex going on where you have to, when you set up a, an idea, a premise, you have to distract the, the whoever's listening. You have to get them thinking that you're going to go in a normal direction. But the, the joke and the laugh comes from when you go in a different direction and surprise them, but it still satisfies the setup. So they get that that is true, but they laugh because they didn't expect it. And it's sort of your physiological reaction to that, to that uh, flex. So that, that's, um, that's what I'm hoping that, you know, my, my expectations of this book. Yes, very well said, Mr. Mike. But before we go on, I'm inviting you to listen to my other podcast, Food 101, on our third season with Alessandro, one of the uh, executive chefs in one of the five-star hotels in downtown Toronto. So please do listen, Food 101. Plus one more Book 101 review with our third season two with Chris Tatterblay, award-winning author and the author of The Apocalypse. Trilogy. So please do listen. Book 101 review plus another new podcast. What my new co-host, one of the best comedian of all time. All time. I mean, from time. back from caveman time, back when when uh, Gorg Gorg the comic who would do uh, he would do fireplace and cave drawing uh, jokes. Yes, second to none, as they said. <laughs> Just ask him. I'll yes, tell you. Mr. Mike Lucas. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. They're oh, giving me the we, yes. here. <laughs> we have a studio awesome. audience, right, Daniel? Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> we love these guys. <laughs> Wait, put me down. Put me down. They've got me on their shoulders, Daniel. This is crazy. <laughs> guys, come on. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. As they say. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. Mike, uh, can you please invite our listeners to buy your book? Sure. Uh, my book is going to be available. Uh, it's available now on Amazon and um, uh, and it's going to be available on Barnes and Noble. And all you got to do is just um, go to Amazon and um, and, I'll, and Daniel, I'll give you the link we can put in in the uh, in the buy buy notes or whatever. And uh, it's Finding Your Funny Muscle by Mike Lucas. And the Lucas is L-U-K-A-S. And, uh, and the uh, paperback is $14.99 and the ebook is $7.99. So uh, a value at twice the price, but, but um, 
Yeah. And, and um, yeah, and I, I would just say that uh, if you have any questions at all about what, what this book is about, just go to my website, funnymuscle.com. And uh, you can get all the information you need from there. And you can also purchase the book uh, through that site. So wherever you're at in any of this, the wonderful countries I've been to, I, I do, you know, uh, Daniel, I've also been to Vienna. Oh, one of the best livable city in the right? world. That was such an impressive city. I, and um, and people spoke English there. Uh, it, it, it was incredible because I went there with a, a group. Uh, I'm not sure, Daniel, if you know about this, the second city. It's a theater in Chicago. It's where a lot of the cast members from Saturday Night Live come out of. Um, it's where uh, Bill Murray started and it's where um, John Belushi got his start, um, you know, in, in terms of the classic ones. Mike Myers uh, was in Canada at Second City. But anyways, I had done my training and got hired by them and we got an opportunity to perform at a theater in Vienna. And it, it, at first wow. I was very, I was nervous because I was like, well, I, aren't, don't those don't those people speak another language? And it's true, they do. But get this, they're all smart enough to know two languages at least. And I was very impressed because the thing about comedy is there's a lot of context to it and there's a lot of subtlety to it. So if you don't know the language really well that, that's being spoken for, this, for the jokes, it might not play in the same way. But what I came to find out is that people in Vienna are incredibly hip and they they got all the jokes and they were some of the best audiences we've ever had and we would do we did a, a run of a week of uh shows for them i can't remember the theater we did but it was an english-speaking theater and when i talked to some of the uh the was it viennese the viennese folks afterwards yes. what they told me was the reason why they loved having uh american troops come in and perform for them is it helps them learn the language of english it helps them to understand those the context and uh, subtleties that i was talking about and um i gotta say it was, it was a lot of fun and and we the food we had there and the uh the pubs that we went to and the um just the overall beauty of the uh, the, the different uh, structures that were there. It, 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 I'd never really been in a place that was so, I don't want to say ancient, because that sounds almost insulting, but but it, it's such such a deep history in that, in that city. It was really, really a, a, an eye-opening visit. Yes, panoramic view. It, it was, right? <laughs> Especially if you spin in place. Yes. And let's shout out to the people listening in Australia. In Vienna, I got 15%. Thank really? you so much. Yes. Hello. And hey, it, it's been a long time, but hello, Vienna. Miss you. <laughs> and Isteria at 85%. So thank you so much, Austria, one of the best country in Europe. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. And it was, it was interesting because in our trip uh, in Vienna, we met uh, on the way there a person from Innsbruck. Um, and this guy, it was on the plane. And uh, when you travel uh, to Europe, they, they basically open up the bar and you can drink. So we're all drinking and having a good time getting there. And this guy from Innsbruck said, hey, uh, if you if you want, you know, you can use my place, uh, it, it, you know, because he knew that we had a couple extra days to just see the um uh, it, it, where we weren't uh, having to travel back yet and we weren't doing shows. And so he actually. I mean, we followed through. We 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 went to Innsbruck, and he let us stay at his in his girlfriend's apartment. He was at his girlfriend's place, so we had the run of the place and um, had a wonderful time seeing that area, um, seeing the the mountains there. And and um, uh, my my friends like to ski, so they skied, and I I rode and uh, got to meet some of the locals there. And I was I was just Daniel, like shocked 
that somebody would do that to a stranger. They would say, hey, here's my house. Here's my keys. Come on and stay and uh, no problem. So I, I came to learn that, that that's a very European thing. People are much more trusting there. And uh, I, I found that very refreshing. And I found that incredibly surprising. Yes, they are much. You are much welcome. Right. They, yeah, but they really did. It was it was really nice. And and I know that Americans have a bit of a, uh, you know, especially the worst of us have, have a bit of a reputation around the world. And, and, and people are kind of like, you know, they can tell when we're coming. <laughs> we're loud and we're dressed weird. But I got to say, um, the, these the, the people in Innsbruck and the people in Austria and in Vienna were very kind to us. And very, um, very willing to uh, listen to what we had to say and um, and and um, and talk with us and learn about what we had to offer. And then we, in turn, were very, very curious about um, uh, those people. And um, we got to learn quite a bit while we were there. So do you think your craft there is well welcome? I, I think so. Yeah. And it was it was interesting because, you know, that that was the biggest shock to me. I was really afraid that we were going to hear crickets when we were doing our material because we in, in second city what we do is we do a series of sketches which are planned and written out and those are uh classic sketches that have been you know successful on the second city stages in chicago and vegas and uh, detroit and um in, in canada and so we knew that the material was solid <laughs> but if you know, if it doesn't land, it's a very awkward show because it, it's, you know, it's, you know, da-da-da-da, joke, silence, da-da-da-da, <laughs> joke, silence. And then after about nine of those silences, we begin to realize that it ain't going to work. And that's what I was afraid of. And instead, the crowds, it, but, but, but what they were also is they were very, um, we had to give them an extra half a second because, again, it was, it was their second language. So it had to sort of sink in. What we realized by the second show was if we give it an extra half a second, that, that they would get the joke and it would click and then the shows popped. And so, uh, you know, that's the thing about comedy is you really have to do a, a good amount of listening so that you're um, hearing, you know, and, and can make adjustments. Yes. Very well said, Mr. Mike. So finding your funny muscle, let's support Mr. Mike because this book is phenomenal. Yes. You, you, you're going to learn how to laugh people and to entertain by other people. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> our upcoming podcast, Comedy 101, people, please do uh, watch for that because this podcast is created to empower laughter. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're, yeah, the, the idea is to help people, um, you know, to have a few laughs and to um, investigate the world of laughter. You know, if you can begin to see how everything in your world is a source of humor, like, for instance, my bed, I, I'm looking over at uh, my bed and I realize my bed is could, can have its own voice in the morning, especially when I'm very tired. My bed will seduce me back into it. It'll be like, oh, Michael, I want you in me. Oh, I know, bed. I can't right now. It's not the time or the place. Oh, please, Michael. <laughs> right. I, I like the way you say seducing. Right? Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> My bed's are looking hot, baby. Yes. So once again, Mr. Mike, invite our listeners to buy your book. Well, it, 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 well, soon it'll be all my books. I'm, it'll be a, 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 right now. The, it's the first of a three-book series called "Finding Your Funny Muscle," available at Amazon. Uh, my name is Mike Lucas, L-U-K-A-S. You can look it up that way. Uh, it's how to create laughs like a pro. If you're interested in laughter or humor or trying to learn to be funnier, 
it's just as easy as if you're trying to learn to play the guitar or learn how to swim or play tennis. You just have to learn how it works, practice a little bit, and you're going to get better. So this book helps you do that. If you want more information, go to funnymuscle.com. There's, and you can also get entertained there. There's a lot of videos and audio blogs that you uh, you can enjoy for free. For free, people. Of course. And Mr. Mike. So, Mr. Mike, thank you for your time. You got it. I love it. Thanks, Daniel. Party gone, people. See you soon. See ya.